Cody returns for a promo. Isaiah Cassidy nearly pins Chris Jericho, and a new tournament is announced, and you'll hear all about it on this week's review of AEW Dynamite. Andy Williams main evented. <laughs> Bud, this is this is real awkward, ain't it, Bud? We don't really usually have to do professional type things. We usually just get to make dumb, dumb goofs about Vince McMahon. But now we have to do a professional review. Yeah, now I have to actually talk about what I saw. Um, this is great. You got me to watch uh, Dynamite live for the first time, which is the first live wrestling I've watched in a long time. Hey, bud, watching it after watching Monday Night Raw is a breath of fresh air. Like, I here's the problem. I'm having to review this objectively. I'm having to review this and not compare it to Raw, and it's very difficult. Like, there is one moment where I am going to have to be like, look, they did this better than Raw did. Okay, I, I'm totally down for it because... Um I watched the grand majority of it, but I missed out on what a lot of people are saying is was like the best match of the night, which was FTR SCU. Oh, really? Okay. Well, we'll we will get to that first. Let's start with the first match on the card, which was Ricky Starks versus Darby Allen. And what's bad is I my first note was, man, both of these guys are like the future of AEW. Then halfway through the match. Excalibur's like, these two men are undisputably the future of AEW. And I'm like, son of a bitch, Excalibur, you stole my line. Uh, it was a good match between both of them. Um, I really think having Taz on commentary all night helped, um, especially for this match, but he was, he was healing it up a lot. And I really appreciated that, especially with him just, like, being fully behind Ricky. I Well, not only that, like, I love this rivalry because I love a rivalry when both opponents are clearly in opposition to one another. Like, just looking at them is enough for you to be like, yeah, I, I see why they're fighting. I see why these two are fighting. And that's how it is with Ricky and Darby. Yeah, they are, um, what is the word? Diametrically opposed in every sense of the word. And they are the opposite sides of a very large coin. Yeah. And what was great about this match to me was, like, for a moment, I genuinely thought it was a submission match. Because Darby, yeah, he still hit, like, his big moves. He still hit the bottom rope tope suicida that always fucking scares me. Because he just yeets himself at the earth. But he was really technically minded in this match. And it was super interesting. Yeah. I, probably one of my favorite moments of the night actually was in this match when uh, Alan was just g about to springboard, I think, uppercut right into Starks, and Starks just speared that <laughs> yeah, motherfucker just, right out the air. I did have that written down, just like, holy shit, big spear. Uh, both of them were showing moves that we have never seen before from them. Ricky was a lot more vicious darby was a lot more technical the only thing that was weird for me was the brian cage moment i get it was to set up the hobbs match for next week but it did feel like brian cage was like oh i just got done tweeting about how much i hate miss marvel let me come down to the ring oh no it's hobbs that hobbs fucking hobbs uh 
I was going to interfere in this match, but now I got to fight you. Yeah. Like that, that, the overbooking was a bit too much for me. I kind of wish those two had a, had a proper match and didn't need a random moment of Brian Cage being like, doopy doopy doop, I'm here. Never mind, I'm gone. Because it was so quick, too. So it was like, it was, it's weird in a way that it was overbooked, even though it was over in like a minute. Yeah. Now, on to the second segment, which in the most bizarre move I've seen in a while, Cody returns for a promo in the mid hour segment, which, what? <laughs> it's like, Co- Cody, did someone break your back and make you humble? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I will say, his new look is absolutely badass. He looks like a mafia boss. Yeah, he really, he feels like he's going back to the American Nightmare, like, full time. And I, I don't know if it's because I got used to blonde-haired Cody, but seeing um, Cody, like, with uh, brown hair again, it just made me like, he looks like he could almost be the Miz's brother. Well, it's also, it's darker than it was back then, too. It's a lot darker. Um, And I, I don't, it's weird because Cody's a lot like Drew McIntyre. When I was talking about McIntyre on my Raw review, I was like, even if the promo's bad, they can make it good, kind of. And that's what I felt because, like, there was a moment where he was like, did a random promo for his new Burt Kreischer show in the middle of his normal promo. And it just, I understand what he was trying to say, which was like, I was there against with Snoop Dogg and Rosario Dawson and the other one. And I felt like I didn't belong because I lost a match to Brody Lee. And I'm like, okay, I kind of see it, but it just didn't grab me as much. But I think that was on purpose because Cody definitely seemed to be breaking and that was what was interesting yeah okay so if, if, since you put it in that context i i can co- see it from a different uh direction because the thing that got me about that promo was I, it felt so weirdly paced it felt that like i the, couldn't get a handle on like what his rhythm was the word i used to describe it is indulgent which is already what cody does a lot in the ring but he went a lot like looking at the audience and being like so brody lee i don't know why my cody impression always begins with like in the sport of professional wrestling this word is used a lot like cody always just like pontificates far too long on nothing but then at the end when he was like will i fight him no then he leaves the ring and then comes back and he's like no regrets i mean let's fight i'm like okay bud you didn't have to go this hard in the paint you didn't you Cody is a fucking triple-decker brownie chocolate cake. He is an indulgent promo. (laughs) He is very much so. Which I think is interesting because the moments where... Because it was just totally over the top. But that, that is what was like, oh, okay... And that was what got me back into it at the end. Because I'm like, you're really hamming it up this much (laughs) for this moment? All right, I'm fucking with you, I guess. And then we get an inappropriately long pull-apart brawl where Brandy comes out for some reason and then yeets herself onto the Dark Order. It's really weirdly cut. The segment went on far too long. 
fucking Nyla started attacking people for no reason. Nyla's like, have you ever seen in a movie where one guy's just like, fuck it, I guess we're looting now. That's what Nyla was doing. She's like, oh, do we get to fight now? All right. And it, it brought something up that it, it was a very long pull-apart brawl. But it, where it once fair, again... Hold on, I'm fairly sure Cody and Brody did not touch during the pull-apart brawl. <laughs> they got away, like, they got away from whoever was holding the bag for, like, two seconds at one point. And that was about it. Um, it also brought back the, uh, the thing that I've noticed about f- something that AEW still needs to correct, and it's how easily their fucking barriers fall over <laughs> when somebody blows a stiff wind onto yes. them. <laughs> because I'm like, one of these days, somebody is gonna get sent into those barriers, and those barriers are not gonna be there. I'm fairly sure that happened on All Out, didn't <laughs> yeah, it? It did. Uh, up next, we had a backstage segment with Shivani talking to, was it the best friends that he was talking to? No. No, he was talking to, Shivani talked to FTR and then Dasha talked to SCU. That's right. Um, and I really love the FTR constantly putting down the young, or putting down the best friends because it's enough for me to be like, they might just win the titles. They might just fuck it. Give them the titles. Fuck up your entire next year of storyline booking, Tony Khan. Give the best friends the titles. Man, I wouldn't even be mad. Yeah. I'd be the opposite of man. Think about the hug after they win the titles. Oh, yeah. Uh, then, of course. But then, the fucking- <laughs> it was all for naught. When Matt Jackson fucking super kicked Tony Giovanni for no reason, it was like. Oh, well, oops. <laughs> Were you guys doing something? My bad. I love that Heelbucks just decide, ah, don't have to keep the hair tied up anymore. Yeah, Matt's just like, I can look like an animal man now. That's fine. And then uh, SCU cutting the most indie promo of the night, just like, We're gonna win these ding dang titles when we go out to the ring. I don't know what it is about Scorpio. Scorpio used to be a good promo, but after last week when... Who was he talking to where he was like, and maybe afterwards we can get a couple brews? <laughs> Come on, big man. I'm like, okay, Scorpio, I understand, but please stop. I don't know. It felt like it was so rushed that it's like, you you didn't even have to go that hard with a promo. You just could have walked out to the ring at that point. Yeah. Because they did it in media res. They did it live. Yeah, and then, of course, we got Sean Spears looking at them like, good luck. And I was like, oh, Sean might come into play. No, not yet, but they're still going to tease this shit. It's like, it's happening eventually. AEW, long-term booking. Yep. You might not see something on that for six months. Now, we now move on to the brush with graceness which is a very old school gimmick that i kind of like 20 minutes uh, ftr versus scu for the j or the uh aew tag team championships and before the match i said oh god please don't let them go 20 minutes and then i saw hangman adam page on commentary and i said let them go 20 minutes <laughs> I just, I, I don't care what's gonna happen in this match. It's gonna, I'm just gonna listen to Hangman. Oh my god, the moment where they hit, where they do the, basically an Eddie Guerrero spot with Christopher Daniels and the ref throws him out and Hangman just goes, bring me another drink! Bring me another drink! It was so good! 
<laughs> so that was good. Uh, Hangman was playing up his part to a T because at one point they were talking about the Guerrero spot, about the fact that they manipulated the referee. And Hangman was like, yeah, FTR's good at manipulating people. They're good at manipulating wrestlers and and referees, I guess. And I was like, fuck, Hangman, stop! Stop And it. hearts. Yeah. And friends. So and cleaners. Uh, <laughs> so that happened. FTR is just they're good at doing what they do, and that's it. Uh and Ka- I don't know what's crawled up Kaz's ass to make him remind him that he's a 20-year veteran of this business and he deserves better, but he's been going hard in the paint the past few weeks. Yeah, good for him. I think I think SCU like I forget just how good they were a year ago because, like, Dynamite's only been on the air for a year and we've spent the majority of it with no crowd. Yeah. I- but, like, they SEU in a live crowd is where they fucking shine, man. But uh, this was a, a numerous matches tonight had a holy, holy shit, they may, they may win. They may actually win this because this had that. And then Isaiah Jericho had that as well. Um, also, for some reason, Hangman is just becoming a letter Kenny character at this point because every time they would cut to him, he had the fucking like squinted eyes as he's looking <laughs> down at the ring. <laughs> Cleaner uh, walked out on me the other day and. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, then, of course, FTR cheat for the victory, Tully holding the ankles, and uh, they win. Yay. Good old-fashioned, good old-school match. FTR got to get in some good shit and whatever. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was an old-school match. Yeah, so. I, I wasn't a big fan of it, but that might also be because I woke up late. I took a nap, and so I had to watch it at one and a half times speed. So I did not enjoy it at, like, the the pace that was properly intended. Mm-hmm. But probably pretty fair. It it seemed like it was a slower paced deal. Yeah, but then they uh, they announce a number one contenders tournament, which is going to be eight men. It's going to end at full gear, and they announced it was like Ray Phoenix. Uh, I can't remember who the other person was, but it was Ray Phoenix, someone, and then Kenny Omega, and <laughs> Adam literally almost did a spit take. He went, "What? I'm sorry, I gotta leave." So I am thinking we might get Kenny versus Hangman at Full Gear in the finals of this tournament. Omega going over, and then at Revolution, Omega versus Moxley too, and then Omega wins the title. Uh, yeah, that is um, that's what I was reading uh, in the. Uh the discussion thread on Reddit, which I like to uh, prowl over after uh, the show's over, and somebody said, I finally see the path to Kenny getting the title, and I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, then we have Isaiah Cassidy versus Chris Jericho, which makes me happy, because I love how Jericho's like, I don't have anything for a couple weeks. Fuck it, put me against one of the younger guys. Let me see what they can do. Yeah, I just wanna, I wanna fight that one. Yeah. And it's, I don't know why this bugged me, but the baby faces were also singing Judas when Jericho came out. And I'm like, look, guys, you can't. You can't be screaming the theme song of one of the biggest heels in the company. I know it's a catchy fucking tune, but you can't. Yeah. And see, the thing with this match for me is Isaiah 
turned off the gimmick and just had the fiery passion of a young wrestler wanting to defeat Chris Jericho. And this was one of the moments that I had to compare it to Raw, where I was looking at Dominic Mysterio, who had a storyline reason to be vicious and frustrated and full of fire. Didn't see any of that, but Isaiah Cassidy in this one-off match against Jericho showed more passion than Dominic has in his entire reign. Raw just has no fire when it comes to comparing it to AEW. Right, and I think that um, it's very interesting seeing uh, how Cassidy was able to basically go beyond his gimmick to just show how good of a wrestler he is, whereas in opposition to... Orange Cassidy, who, when he leaves his gimmick behind, he's not as great because his gimmick is so good. Yeah, yeah. Because his gimmick, plus his good wrestling, is wonderful. Well, yeah, Isaiah went beyond plus ultra and tried to defeat Chris Jericho. At one point, Luther got involved and straight up Stone Cold decked Jericho in the face, and there wasn't a disqualification, which leads me to be like, I want to see this rule book Aubrey Edwards is coming up with because I'm very curious why that was not a disqualification when a very tall bald man beat the shit out of Chris Jericho for a few seconds. <laughs> Listen, I know they're supposed to be impartial, but I think we all know how Aubrey Edwards feels about Chris Jericho. Yeah. Also, I loved watching Inner Circle at ringside because they're just cheering like young babies. <laughs> Do it, Dad! You're doing it! Go! God, I love the interaction between the Inner Circle and Jericho, and I'll get into it a little bit more with the other segment that they were in. Uh, but I, I loved this match because it showed off a un—everyone has a unique style. You saw a different match. It, that's why I liked Clash of Champions so much. Every match was completely different. Unlike Raw, where every match was the fucking same. But this one, it was great. Isaiah almost fucking pinned Chris Jericho off of a code breaker, which made me scream. And then, of course, uh, out of nowhere, Judas Effect, one, two, three, they win. And it becomes Miro Day because, fuck. Did you read, and I guess this is more of a Fight Boys conversation, where they said that Miro's debut match was a disappointment? Yes, and I guess I, I can totally see that because when you get hurt halfway through and you try to power through, it shows in how good you can wrestle. And like Miro is a great wrestler, is the thing. So he was just trying, like, it's the same thing that I think um, getting thrown on stage or something. So, like, we've both been in numerous plays. You know that feeling that you get on stage when some when there's like a major fuck up like early on and the rest of it is just everybody trying to overcorrect for the fuck up yeah that's how his first match felt so that's why i can understand it's a dis disappointment but god i loved this promo so much of, of miro looking at um fucking just be like, it's going to be like Rum Springer. You know where they drink and test their livers. The Amish. I'm like, why are you talking about the Amish, Miro? <laughs> and then at the end, they just end up at a random ass arcade that I am 95% sure I've been to before. <laughs> oh, wait. No, no, no. Uh, for some reason, I forgot they were filming at Daly's Place, and I thought they were still filming in that weird Atlanta warehouse, because I have definitely been to an arcade in, in Atlanta that looks like that. I know the exact—that is a main event entertainment arcade, and <laughs> no one can tell me otherwise. 
<laughs> They're working out a deal so they can have a match in there. They could smash some fucking uh, cabinets up. Have a good time. It's just a. Fu- this is a, just a fun, goofy storyline that I really like because AEW's very good at goofy, fun storylines, and that's exactly what this is. And as he's proven time and time again, Miro is so good at doing goofy shit. Yeah. Uh, then we have a best friend segment where FTR comes out and ba- the, the promo was basically, we don't like you. We're probably going to face you at full gear. And then they walk away as Orange Cassidy calls them weenies. It was very, it was short, sweet, and to the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want the, the uh, moment of Orange Cassidy just like nonchalantly calling them weenies in my mind then uh he comes out to the ring we get orange cassidy versus tan of the dark order during which i went like man best friends they're one of the best acts to- or aw has i don't know who could top them oh fuck the dark orders here and they just immediately overshadowed the best friends was it, it was probably only just me but like at the very start of the show when i was kind of just like my attention was divided. They were going over the card, and then I heard, "Yep, it's gonna be Orange Cassidy versus Ten of the Dark Order." Like he's gonna be fighting ten of them. There's ten of them. <laughs> ten. He's gonna fight ten of these motherfuckers. Also, can we just discuss John Silver getting Orange Cassidy's put on his face, glasses put on his face, and just, like, gyrating, and then them doing the best friend's hug spot. The Dark Order are the biggest baby faces in AEW right now. Amazingly so, which is why they're such a fucking good cult. Yeah. Because you got your boots on the ground people that make it look so good with being at the Dark Order, where you got Mr. Brody on top fucking people shit up every day. Yeah, and, like, This was another one of those matches where everyone looked good coming out of it. I don't know if there was a match on the card, a segment on the card where not everybody looked good coming out of it. I I forget how much I love when, like, because Orange Cassidy, he was going pretty much, like, all out with this, you know, he wasn't really fucking around that much. Yeah. At least that's what I thought, because at the very end, he's just like, all right, I'm done with this shit. I'm going to... Take my fucking armband off, punch your shit in, and then I'm just gonna drop you. Yeah, it was very- I wish they had given them more time, but for what it was, it was fine. I don't like Cassidy's new finisher. I kind of wish they had stuck with the just the orange punch, but what is it, like the beach break? Is that what it's called? I think so. I don't even remember if they called the called the move when he did it. I think it's called the beach break, and it's like- It's just like an air raid crash, but you're not- it's like it's like an Alabama Slam air raid crash. I don't know how to describe it. I I'm not a massive fan of it, but whatever. It was a match. It happened. This was probably sadly the weakest match on the card for me. Well, hold on. It with the exception of the next one. I was about to say because the next one, well, hold on. Before we get to that, there was a very good segment with MJF bringing all of the inner circle jackets and then just being oh! Almost all. And then just being like, oh no, Sammy. Wardlow, did you... Was there a jacket here for Sammy that you forgot? Wardlow being like, oh no. And then we get some more fucking Jericho MJF were the exact same person uh, bickering. And it was very good. And it was a callback to one of my favorite segments, which was, do you want to join the inner circle? 
Do you want, do you want me-, me to join the inner circle? <laughs> do, you, do you want to join the inner It was a callback to that, and I loved it a lot. I love this storyline. I love Jericho and MJF getting to work together. It is wonderful. It is exactly, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. This is how a heel versus heel feud should be. Two egotistical assholes trying to outdo each other constantly. My favorite part was still Sammy being like, no, what the hell? What are you doing here, man? And then Jericho- hey, hey, Sammy, Sammy, shut up, shut up. No, what the hell? What are you doing here, man? <laughs> God, they're so good. I, I love this storyline. It's very good. Uh, then we move on to Britt Baker versus Red Velvet. And you know what? I, I, you know what I am going to say? I'm going to say Orange Cassidy was more disappointing because I expected more out of that match. This one, I knew, was straight up a Brits returned, but we're not sure yet. So let's just give her a quick, fun squash. And it was very good. Like, Brit showed off some fucking vicious healness. Like, I, I actually really like her new finisher, which is just kind of kicking someone in the dome (laughs) i always am like i am i'm always a fan of like a good strike finish um and yeah this is exactly what you kind of expected with her it being her first match back it was a squash honestly it was a squash that might have gone on a little bit too long but she did get to get her shit in so i love the the rubber glove before the lockjaw because of COVID. So it's now just like her embarrassment that she does after the match because she can't do it during the match. During. Because. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then at that point, I was going like, it's been a good show, but has it been a five-star show or what? But then they gave Eddie Kingston a microphone, and I was like, five stars! Five stars! Eddie Kingston forever! Perfect show! They did it! That's really all you need. Eddie Kingston is such a good fucking promo. Yeah, and I also love that unlike WWE, who's like, oh, the fans won't remember things, they're like, they're gonna be aware of the fact that Eddie and Bryce have known each other for 18 years. So I love Kingston being like, playing that up, and even Bryce being like, yeah, we're friends, but once we're in the ring, this is this is work. This is work. That's why I did, called that last ma- la- last week. I wanted to protect you. So it was a quick promo, but it was a very good promo. And then Moxley just fucking got out of bed. Ah, <laughs> uh, that is, this is the Moxley that I want to see every week. Also, I will say, even if like you're a fan that didn't know that those two had known each other for 18 years. All they had to do was say it, and I'm like, oh, dang. Yeah, I mean, the wrestling business is a business. That makes sense. <laughs> I mean, like, through Chikara and through so many other stuff, like, obviously, they're they're really close. And then... Mox got a bat. Mox got wire. a fucking ba- barbed wire bat and was like... Even Eddie was like, why have you got a bat? What's wrong with you? Stop that. It was great. <laughs> and- you need to quit that. You're the, you're the champion. And he's like, yep. And... Here's the difference between, because, like, both shows, Raw and AEW, both ended with an open challenge from the champion, and then a heel basically getting to pick their opponent. Ziggler on Monday, and then Kingston today. And both times they picked, not a surprise, right? Um, somewhat, at least in this case, it wasn't a return, like Bobby Roode, but... I think Butcher was actually a pretty good choice because he works well with Moxley. 
Like, he is a vicious, terrifying, big motherfucking hoss, and he works well against Moxley. Unlike Robert Roode, who put on a slog. No, I, I agree with you, because I, I wasn't sure how, like, that match would go. Oh, yeah, no, no, I, I wrote the sentence, well, Butcher's certainly a choice, but then it happened. Also, his new gear, he looks terrifying now. Absolutely, fucking lutely And, like, I am, it, the, aust- the, the mustache puts me in awe every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... The moment that Kingston announced, no, you're fighting the Butcher, and Mox realized, oh, I'm an idiot, he's right behind me, isn't he? (laughs) Only to just get clotheslined into oblivion. Like, here's the thing, I never realized how terrifying of a name the Butcher is until it came out of Eddie Kingston's mouth. And then I said, you know what, that's a very realistic name for this man, and he is very scary. Yes, and he was very scary in that match because he like he's a fucking he did, hoss, dude. Yeah, he and he got his like some old school stuff and he wore down Mox's leg. He kept him from being able to like get any of his good shit in and like Mox had to get him in desperation, which but I will say I'm enjoying Mox's submission. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I, I wish he didn't tap. I wish he had also knocked out Butcher, so that way Eddie Kingston next week could be like, "I never tapped. Butcher never tapped. You didn't beat either of us, Moxley." I'm really glad somebody else in the wrestling business is using that voice, so we could take it away from Enzo. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so we've watched all of AEW, and I was trying to think of what my ranking is, because for Raw, my ranking is uh, anywhere from rare to uh, well done. Of course, well done being the worst, <laughs> or, Ra- or Raw being the best in what it was trying to do. Uh, for this one, I'm, I'm saying, Blake, do you think this show was all elite, mostly elite, somewhat elite, slightly elite, or not elite? Ah, I'm gonna have to go off the rails and say it was elite enough. I th- I I think that would qualify under mostly elite, which is what yeah. I said. Because yeah, there were still a few. Nothing like super grabbed me, but it was still a good. It was like <laughs> it was like Avengers: uh, Age of Ultron. I'm like, okay, I know this had to happen so we could get to end game. It was good for what it is. Let's move on. <laughs> There is a period, especially, I think, in um, long-term booking, where it's just, like, you have to start from somewhere, and we're starting from somewhere again, which is what, like, the last couple of weeks have been. Yeah. So, like, it's starting to build from there, but they're still giving us some good stuff in between. Like, um, you know, we get to see the uh, the Darby Allen-Ricky Starks match. Or we get to see the fun promos between MJF and Jericho. So, like, they're throwing those bits in. Or, you know, the Young Bucks kicking Tony Schiavone in the face. Yeah. I mean, Dylan put it best. We know where they're going. But in exchange for that loss of surprise, we get match quality. And that's what AEW really, really offers is match quality. Very true. Which is, like, yeah, uh, it was definitely a mostly elite show because... There's nothing really that's going to put it over the top right now, yeah. but it's solid all the way through. Yeah, uh, but until next time, thank you for joining me, Blake. You may, you'll probably be back in the future to review whatever shit you want to talk about.
Oh, yeah, yeah, more than likely, because at some point I'm just going to be watching everything again, if... Fingers crossed. Yeah, but until tomorrow, where I'm going to be reviewing this week's episode of NXT, yes, I know, I reviewed AEW before I reviewed NXT. Fuck you, I like one better. Bias! Bias! Look how hard you have to review Raw and SmackDown. Let me get my little taste of AEW before I have to get to NXT. Two- when are uh, when are we going to start uh, reviewing uh, JWF Monday Night Ignition? Oh man, that's that's just so garbage. <laughs> Oh, okay. But until then, remember to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash a load of BS. You get tons of exclusive goodies and it would mean the world to us. And if you disagree with anything we said, if you want to keep commenting on it, you can tweet us personally at Scotty Mo or S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O or Blake A. Tanner. Or of course, you can always find us at Fight Boy Show on Twitter, because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life. 